One of the key aims for this year's International Women's Day was working to increase the visibility of female creatives. For Enter Gallery in Brighton, this has long been something which has been a commitment. A panel discussion at the gallery heard talks from artists Ruth Mulvey, Rebecca Strickson and Jana Nicole, discussing their careers and their influences as well as their role models and what supported them along the way. The event was hosted in support of the Girls Network, which aims to inspire and empower young girls from the least advantaged communities. It was recorded prior to the recent rebranding of the Enter Gallery in Brighton. This is Art Related Noise. We started experimenting with painting. There's so many avenues with art. We're surrounded by images. Just being lost in this sea of possibility. Announcing that I was going to be an artist. It brings the work I do alive even more. They could be part of this work as well. Everyone's got their own personal connection to something. So just a little bit to, to contextualise why we're here today. This is part of um, an International Women's Day programme of events that have been happening all around the city. Um, and International Women's Day's mission this year um, is to, well one of their missions, is to increase the visibility of female creatives and promote their work for commercial projects. And Art Republic as a business is committed to showcasing a fair representation of our culture in the gallery, which includes works from all different genders and ethnicities. And as a business, they are committed to increasing their capacity for positive social change, which I think is a pretty awesome mission. And it's great that they're fulfilling on that by hosting events like this. So tonight is uh, in partnership with the Girls Network, and I will be introducing our wonderful panel of artists, Ruth, Rebecca, and Nikki shortly, who you have all come to hear speak. But the goal of tonight uh, for Art Republic after this, uh, after this event is that they'll be setting up an ongoing mentoring programme with the Girls Network and female artists that they work with to help drive change and build confidence in a new generation of female creatives who will go on to work in the art sector and fulfil their potential. So before we dive into the panel and, um, and we hear from our artists, I'm just going to invite Zazie Clark from the Girls Network to come up and say a few words about the charity and the fantastic work that they do. Hi everyone, it's so nice to be here today in this amazing event in honour of International Women's Day, which obviously is really important to us as the Girls Network. So we are an organisation that aims to inspire and empower teenage girls by connecting them with inspiring professional female role models and a whole network of women that they can reach out to for support to achieve whatever future they want to achieve. So the Girls Network was founded in 2014. Our two co-founders were both teachers working at different schools but living together um, in North West London. And at the end of the day they'd often come home and talk a bit about what was going on in their classrooms and they noticed that a lot of the girls in their classrooms were experiencing some shared barriers, which was a lack of self-confidence, um, a lack of self-belief, and a lack of networks for people to ask to reach out to for help, um, and work experience, things like that, to get to wherever they wanted to go in life. So they thought a lot about this and were like, what can we do to support these girls to achieve their dreams? Um, thought about the women that they knew in their lives and were like, actually, we know loads of amazing, inspiring women living around London, working in all kinds of different sectors. Why not invite them all into school um, and just talk to the girls a bit about their careers and their lives so they can get a bit of an idea of different types of professions and see themselves with some amazing, relatable women. So that's what they did. They started it as a one-off kind of extracurricular activity after school and the girls all loved it because they got to suddenly talk to loads of women and be like oh actually I can see myself doing that job 
uh, or hear about their stories and the kind of bumps in the road that they'd experienced and be like, oh, it's okay to try things and fail. So it was really positive for all the girls and for all the women themselves actually really enjoyed reflecting on their own careers, um, talking a bit about themselves and thinking about the journeys they'd gone on as professionals. So that's how the Girls Network programme was born. Um, it started with a one-year mentoring programme with one school in London and now it's grown across the country. So we pair um, cohorts of girls with professional female mentors for one year of mentoring and basically support with careers, aspirations, confidence, helping them to get to wherever they want to go in life. So really excited to be here tonight and hopefully partner lots of the amazing female artists from Art Republic with our amazing mentees. Thank you, thank you so much, Lizzie. And um, after after the panel's done, there will be a chance if you want to become a mentor for the Girls Network to sign up for that as well. So uh, I'm going to hand over um, to each of you to just say a few words about um, about who you are, what kind of work you do, and uh, please do point out your uh, your wonderful work, which are. Hello, good evening. Um, my name is Ruth Mulvey and I'm very, very, very pleased to be here um, and thank you all for coming out uh, on this very cold evening. So um, I'm a painter. My work is very brightly coloured. You might have recognised it. It's quite kitsch. There's often lots of swimming pools in it and it has a vintage feel to it. So one of my new pieces, a favourite of pieces, is called <laughs> Movie Night. Over there it's the girls in the pool with the giraffes around and the sort of uh, mid-century modernist building in the background. Here, this one, Cheetahs and Ibiza, more girls beside the pool, and this one, Skate the Rainbow. Okay. So, um, I'll pass over. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you. So, my name's Rebecca Strickson. I am, um, well, I describe myself as a doer of stuff because it kind of changes all the time, depending on what mood I'm in. But that rebel print there, that's mine. And these two banners here are hanging at the moment. So I tend to work in illustration, but I also make fabric pieces and I do paint. I do some painting badly, quite bad painting. Um, don't do an awful lot of that. Um, and uh, I'll leave that to you because you're far better than that. Um, so yeah, I basically work in a, in a number of mediums and I do workshops and all kinds of bits and pops. And I'm based in Margate. Thank you. Um, Hi, my name is Jana Nicole, and you can call me Nikki, and I do mixed media collage. My piece is the horse over there with the black frame, and it's about mixing vintage with contemporary, um, and again, so mixed media, and originally I'm from California, but I've been residing here for about 22 years. Okay, so... <laughs> Start off with a, a fairly easy question. What was it that first made you want to make art your career? Well, it sounds like an easy question. Actually, <laughs> it's quite a tricky one to ask. What did make me want to make art my career? So, um, when I was thinking about the answers to these questions, it, I had to sort of do a bit of reflection back to sort of 12-year-old me and where I was in my life then. And I think for anyone else who's creative, it starts before you even realise it's happening. I just always wanted to be creative and loved doing it. So from a very young age, I was, I was making and doing. When I went on to secondary school, I was really, really lucky. And I think this is, we've been talking a bit about our responses this evening. We've got some similarities. I, ha I was really lucky in that I had an incredibly inspiring art teacher 
he was just the most incredible person and so encouraging and, and made me feel like I could, you know, achieve and do things. And that was a, that was a great feeling. He'd mentioned the idea that perhaps I could go off to art school, but I also enjoyed sort of reading English and other creative subjects. And it came to decision time and I didn't have a clear direction. I knew I, I, I enjoyed making art, but my, I guess, my mum maybe wanted me to pursue a more academic route. And, you know, I was kind of uncertain about where I wanted to go. In the end, I made a decision to go off and read English and study film at um, Glasgow Uni. And I got up there and it didn't feel right. I just wished I was at the art school. I could see all of the kids at the art school um, kicking around and I was like, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go. So in my little tiny pokey flat in Glasgow, um, I wrote to my teacher and I got all of my work back and I managed to put a portfolio together and I applied to art school and I guess I didn't think it was going to go anywhere but I got an interview and um, I remember my interview really clearly at art school um, because I'm quite a shy, in, I'm, I can project and a sort of loud personality but I'm quite a shy person and I remember my interview, exactly what I was wearing, how terrified I was. Okay. I can, I can remember where it was, it was like in a tower block in um, this really rough part of Glasgow. Anyway, I got into the painting department and um, I, I changed, I moved and that was it. That was kind of how the journey really started for me, so yeah, that's over. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, really similar kind of things. I, I had, it was just something that I always did I, and I think calling it art now I can look back and call it art, but I wasn't doing art until I was probably about 14. I was just making and creating and having fun. And I always had a box of stuff full of cardboard and bits of... I just remember going to... There was like, I'm from Lincolnshire, I'm from near Grantham, and there was like one art shop in Grantham. And I'd save my pocket money up and buy like just pieces of A4 cards, just beautiful pieces of A4 cards, and go home and just make boxes out of them, things like that, and make a mess. And my dad would always be like, I'm going to throw it all out the window if you don't tidy up. And then he did once, um, but yeah, it was all about basically just making and doing. And then I went to secondary school, and like you were saying, I had my Peter Plant, who was my art teacher, was just the, one of the most amazing men I've ever met. He was incredible. He was fun. He was interesting. He could go on for hours about his cat. Um, he was just a really good guy, and he still is. He still is. He's still teaching. Um, and he was the one that kind of went, you can do this, you can actually, and not only can you do this, I'm going to make sure you do it. Um, so I kind of got it into my head that I wanted to go to art college when I was about 14, and I, that was it, that's all I did. So I went and did my foundation course in Lincoln, and it was, I had an awful foundation tutor, who was absolutely terrible. Uh, but I still managed to get, I went to Goldsmiths, uh, because I decided I was going to Goldsmiths, I shouldn't, I should have gone somewhere else completely. <laughs> But I had a great time there, and it was more about the people I met and things like that. And I kind of had a bit of a, I've had a bit of a halting journey into the art world. That the Goldsmiths was really kind of weird. It was I kind of came out of that not wanting anything to do with art, not wanting anything to do with the perception of the art world from the Goldsmiths' point of view, which was really shitty and just just white and male and just 
like it just did, no, I didn't get it, I didn't understand it, I didn't like it, I didn't want to go along with it. So I was like, maybe that's not for me. And I spent five years not making a single thing. I didn't pick up a pencil, I did nothing. And then I started doing a night with a friend in Newcross, like a music night. And I started doing some radio stuff. And I had a show on resonance. And I've always been really into music and stuff. And then I started making gig posters. And I was like, oh, I quite enjoy this actually, it's quite fun. And I started doing kind of weird little kind of collages and things like that. And then I was like, and then I got a copy of Photoshop. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe you could do something with this. And then I kind of little by little started doing stuff, but it, I didn't really, really crack on until I was about 29. Mm. Uh, I'm 40 now. Um, and then I'd gone to, I'd been made redundant from working for the government. I did a whole range of just bizarre jobs. Like, <laughs> so me and my friend Ali ran a record shop badly. Um, <laughs> we, uh, although you said Emily, my friend Emily will. <laughs> Go along with that. Um, and um, then I worked for the probation service. Um, and then I worked for I was a civil servant. Got made redundant for that. Got a payoff, like you do, like you did in like 2008. Those payoffs don't exist anymore. I worked for an animation company, and then I was like, I want to do this as a job. I want to be creative. And I met somebody who mentored me in a really in a non-official capacity, but a woman called Melody, who is still a very good friend of mine, and she was like why don't you try something? If you, the work's any good, you can use it. And it was for an advert. So if it's any good, we'll use it, we'll pay you. If it's not, we won't. Simple as that. And they did. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I can actually do this as a job. And I left and I went freelance and that was 11 years ago. And that's it. And that's how I did it. And I, I, but I, only, I only started calling myself an artist about two years ago because I felt really uncomfortable about it. I felt really, really uncomfortable being called an artist. I was an illustrator, I was an art director, I was every single thing you could think of other than an artist. What made you uncomfortable about it? It was, I felt pretentious, I felt like it was self-obsessed, mm -hmm. I felt like it was, um, that's for somebody else to call me, not for me to call myself. Mm. And then I was like, that's just not true. <laughs> and it's all, and, the, and it was about a, it was about a self-confidence thing, basically. Mm. And then I went, hang on a minute, that's exactly what you're doing, actually. Um, and maybe you need to say that to people, rather than just being like, mm -hmm. no. You know, I don't really do that. And yeah, and that was kind of it, really. So thanks to her, I ended up doing it, and now I do it all the time. Well, I'm definitely older than you because I had crayons and not Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> that puts me way back. Um, I grew up. Uh, my mother was a single mom and worked full time, so I spent a lot of time on my own. And I tried stealing, I tried doing things, and I was really bad at it. And so they decided, my mother and family and friends decided to give me some art supplies, and it just started drawing and writing and expressing myself. And everybody kind of left me alone, and I went into my own world. and. If there was something wrong, I went to draw. Um, if I was upset, you know, again, I relied on myself. There was a lot of reading involved too. Didn't really have a TV, and when you did, there was about four channels. So there was never anything good on. As I grew up, it just was the way I wanted to express myself. And I wasn't really good at anything else. And 
the school guidance counselor agreed I wasn't good at anything <laughs> <laughs> and suggested that I continue on that path. Yeah. Um, I went to university, ended up going to university here for a year, didn't really study too much, but uh, enjoyed what I did do. Mm -hmm. Then went back to LA, uh, ended up in the film industry and dropped out of school. And it just kind of was this natural path yeah. that that's what I wanted to be and never felt guilty about not going back. Uh, and just have been drawing and painting in, in the industry since then. So we kind of, uh, the next question we had, but I feel like you've all sort of kind of started to answer this next question is, is how did you start your journey into the art world? So, I mean, maybe thinking about something like, when did you sort of first realise like, oh my goodness, I, I could have this as my career? Because I think that, you know, sometimes you, you, you know, I guess with art, and it's the same with writing, you know, I always wanted to be a writer. It was always like, okay, but what do you really want to do? <laughs> like, how are you going to make money? Yeah. So, you know, was there a moment for you that, that really kind of feels like that was the start of your journey when you were, you know, you were really like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this now. And, and what was it? I think, well, I think for me, it's definitely the, uh, it was Melody giving me the job. So it was for the Department for Transport. It was the Stop, Look and Listen campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were like, we need some lettering for it. And I did it, I did it all in, entirely by hand, actually. I didn't use Photoshop at all for that. It was the first and only piece I've done entirely by hand. Um, and I spent hours on it, hours and hours, because I was like, we've got to get this right, we've got to get it right. Um, and, but it had been coming, I'd had a kind of an, a bit of an epiphany about a year before that, of having done various jobs and being like, I am not happy. I have got to do something related to art. I've got to do something creative. And I'd gone to work at this animation company as the office manager um, because it was a way in. And also, I, not that I wanted to be an animator, but it was a way into a creative industry and everyone's always like, well, get your foot in the door, la la la. Um, and um, they were a great company. And when I left, they were like, thank God you left because you're an awful office manager. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no. And they were like, you can come back as a freelancer then. Um, they went back the next week as a freelancer, which was brilliant. I was earning like three times as much. So I was like, yeah, we've all won. Um, but it was that sense of being like, this is an entire industry. And I know we have spoken a little bit about this already. I was seeing so many people doing it who were shit. Yeah. Who were really fucking shit. And I was like, I am better than you. And you should be paying me to do this. You can't say that to anyone because they won't let you do it. So I had that kind of sense of being like, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I get into it? So it's, and then Melody had come up with this thing and it was, it was great. And then so I did that and then quite quickly I was like, I'm just, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. No, I'm going to go freelance. And my, my partner at the time was incredibly supportive and actually didn't really, he couldn't really do much about it. So he was like, okay, right, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do this. Because he was like, no, you're not happy, let's go with it. And I was incredibly lucky to have him and I really genuinely don't think I would have been in a position if I didn't have the support that I had at the time. Um, and then I went back and I worked for them freelance on various, and it was, at the time I was, I was doing campaigns, so I was doing, uh, it was all animation, uh, illustration for animation, and, and things like that, which I still do a little bit of now. Um, but that was the first time that I was like, not only can you do this, you get paid really well for it, and you can live off that, and you can do it. And, I mean, obviously in the last 11 years I've had incredibly mean periods. I have gone back to work in retail several times, 
Um, I do all kinds of stuff. I will literally do pretty much anything for money, so I don't have to get a proper job. But like I was saying, I can't do anything else. I'm not trained to do anything else. I can't go back to being a PA or an EA or anything like that because I can't do it anymore. So I have to make this work. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how I kind of went, right, that's it, that's your job. And can I just point out, um, if you can't read Rebecca's t-shirt <laughs> in the back, which was what sparked our conversation, sorry, yeah. it says, men have made a lot of bad art. I'm not saying women haven't art, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's not a lie. <laughs> um, I think for me, when I was working in LA in the film industry, it was long hours, you didn't know where your next job was, uh, they were six day weeks, and I was falling asleep on the, on the road driving home thinking this is just, this is supposed to be glamorous and it, it was. I was doing wardrobe, I was working on B horror films, it, it was fun, it was great. Then somebody offered me a, a job uh, in animation, normal hours, creating, uh, didn't have to worry about the programming at the time. Mm and getting paid for it, and really good payment. So I jumped on that. Uh, as much as I missed the film industry, I got to actually paint and create doing something that I loved uh, with a great group of people. So I uh, was able to transfer over here to London uh, and continue with that. But then I realized I was in a room full of men creating computer games. There, I was one other woman who was with me and I wanted to go home and be with my family, and the guy stayed afterwards playing uh, the computer games. I think it was Call of Duty at the time. And it just didn't feel right. I just yeah. didn't want to do that. Uh, I wanted to be back painting and drawing. Mm -hmm. And that's when I ended up leaving that and starting to do it. So. Okay, great. Um, I've got written down here, how did you start your journey into the art world? And I've got mostly drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> we were just saying, so I graduated from art school in 2002 and I spent four years painting and I really did not realise at the time what a privilege that was. Mm -hmm. I, I was in my studio, or should have been, every single day painting. Yeah. What, what, who gets that chance? What an amazing opportunity. However, we were great at painting, but we didn't really get any input or if we had any, I don't think I was at those sessions, um, about how we would, um, how our expectations would align with the reality of being an artist in the real world once we left. And all, all that was said at that time was, you need to be there for your degree show evening, it's going to be a massive evening. Everyone was always said, Sarge, you'll yeah. be here, you know, you'll sell your works and that'll be that. So actually when that didn't happen, Everyone was like, oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and there was a period of readjustment to how you're going to make ends meet being a creative, affording a studio, affording your rent. And if, for me as a painter um, and the type of work that I make, I'm not really a prime candidate for, I would say, for an arts council type project. So, yeah, it, it was difficult. It really, really, really was difficult. And I think there is that. Um, conversation about making ends meet and making artwork mm -hmm. and it's really feeling like it's genuinely it's work that you are making it's the very best work that you can make and it took me I think I'm quite a late bloomer it took me longer to get to that stage in my career to 
to feel that I was really genuinely making work that was the best I could do. And one of the things that um, kind of triggered it for me was having my children and becoming a mother. And I wanted my work to be something that ultimately they would be proud of. And so when I'd had the second one, I turned, um, you know, I was, I was like, I'm going to be 40 in a few years. I, I feel like I, I really need to just get it together. Um, and I sought advice from people at that point and we sort of came up with this plan and I put together this body of paintings and I thought I'm going to make six of the very, very, very best paintings I can make at this stage in my career and let's see what happens from, the, from that. And that was, that was the best thing for me to do because it really, it really felt like it was being me. And it just took quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that was okay. That was okay. And I, I do, I love, I love that um, phrase. I always come back to it. It's the journey, not the destination, because there's been a lot of shit jobs along the way. But the destination is important too. It's about sort of having a goal and going towards that and the experience. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what yeah. we would do if we did get to the journey. You know, the destination. Yeah, what, I don't, I don't know. know what. Then what? What's the yes. next one? It's kind of like it's we'd be bored. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just be like, oh, yeah. okay. I had, I had a bit of an ad lib, ad lib question, so feel free to decline. <laughs> what I really struggle with this as a business owner is like reflecting on my own success. Mm. And you know, you know, people will sort of say to me like, "Oh, you're really successful," but there hasn't been that moment where I've just sort of sat there and gone. So have any of you had that moment? Has there been a moment where you've just gone, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing this, I've, I've made it. <laughs> For about this long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about this long and then I judge myself and go, what's the next one? Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. good yeah. enough. All yeah. of a sudden, yeah. that achievement is, is I'm looking for the next one. It's, yes. it's like a fix. It's it's almost like a drug where you think, okay, I've got it, I've got it. Yeah. And then I feel really guilty if I've actually gone, oh, well done. Yeah. I, to achieve something and be proud of it, I almost yeah. It's, it's, oh, you can't do that yet. Yeah. You're you're not there, and and it's are you making enough money? In what's what's the actual goal? So yeah. there's different different achievements yeah, yeah, and different yeah. goals. I think I uh, I just set a stamps for Royal Mail in wow. 2017, and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I've been asked to do it. It was an insane job. It was amazing. It was, we kept saying we should make a TV programme about it because the whole, the, the whole way you do make a set of stamps is insane. There's so many people involved in it. You have to please people from all, like, about ten different places. Uh, and it was really interesting, fantastic. And then I was like, oh my god, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime job. Not many people ever get to do it. This is fantastic. You've made it. You've done it. Well done. Great. Nothing. Absolute tumbleweed. <laughs> Silence. I never got a piece of work after that. <laughs> related to it. Wow. So I got paid £13,000 for that, yeah. which is actually really cheap. Um, and then I was like, that's it, you're alright, you're okay now, fine, you can get a house soon, mm -hmm. so it's going to be great. Yeah. Nothing. And I went to work in a shop not long afterwards because I had zero money, so I went back to work in retail for like three or four days a week because I was like, I can't live on anything else. And I mean, I was having a lot of like health problems at the time, which didn't help, but it was like, 
But okay, the thing when you think the thing that's happened is the thing, it's very rarely yeah. the thing. Yeah. So you have to keep going yeah. for the next thing. Um, because and, you want to pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't enjoy it for very long. No, you can't. No. Where's the next thing? Every time I've had a thing, I'm like, oh my god, I let my, I'll always give myself a chance to go, yeah, yeah. I'll get a job. Like, oh my god, this is amazing, it's great. But then I'll be like, right, you've got to do it for a start. Yeah. And then you've got to get on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great segue into the next question. Well done. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a, a bit of a sort of a, a cliche question, I guess, for any career talk is what barriers have you faced in your journey to success? So, um, so yeah, I, I'm sort of thinking about what you know, what what has stopped you? Like, where where has there been moments? Where have you hit barriers? Where you've had a choice of like, right, I either pick myself up now and I carry on, or you know, or just those moments where you thought, God, actually, this is really hard. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> either at the start of your career or or along along the way. Yeah, I'll go to you first. Thank you. Almost every day. I mean, there's a barrier. Myself is the biggest barrier. My self doubt. Uh, and also being a mother, because, which I love being, obviously, but it's balancing both, mm -hmm. and being, I took time out to be a mother. I took 10 years out of just literally not doing any artwork, and then trying to get back in, uh, yeah. I was so worried and so doubtful of myself, and I didn't know if I could do it. Uh, and then you're starting to look at everybody else and going, well, they're much further ahead of me, I'm too old, I'm this, I'm that. And it was all about picking myself up and going, you can do this. This is, you've got to believe in yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, was the biggest barrier. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, um, comparison is a huge barrier. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so mm -hmm. easy to do these days, especially with things like Instagram. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, like... I'm not far enough along, I'm not doing this, yeah. they're doing that, I'm not, why am I not? And then you can go down a rabbit hole and you can get really stuck. Um, the answer is not necessarily to ignore everybody else, you still need to know where you sit in the wider scheme of things, but their successes are not related to your successes. Your friend getting amazing commission doesn't mean you won't get one. Mm -hmm. You know, there's enough work to go around, there's a lot of work out there, there's a hell of a lot of work, and, if, and I'd still, and I don't think I'm naive, if you are good, you will get it, yeah. it will happen to you. But you have, and you have to be visible for that. I think it's interesting. I'm not a mother, and I've made a very conscious decision to not be a mother. I would say that I'll probably have a kid in about a year's time. Sorry. But at this moment in time, I decided I very, very much don't want kids. And um, a huge part of that is career-based. My baby is my is my career. That is the most important thing to me. I don't want to take that time out. I don't think I could take that time. Well, out. that's it. Yeah. The condom broke, so it wasn't yeah. important. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to happen. It's like, I wasn't ready. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're back in, that's the thing. If it did happen, you could deal with it, because you deal with it. If you do, you get on with it. But um, hopefully, it won't happen. But yeah, like, for me, it was very much about. This is what I really want to do, and this is the most important thing. And maybe that's selfish, maybe it's not selfish, but okay. But yeah, being, being female is a barrier in some things, you know. Uh, animation is an mm. interesting thing. So about production is very much female. Actual making is very male. So a lot, there's a lot of women working in production and animation. A lot of producers and a lot of um, a lot of producers and a lot of uh, helpers and various people like that. But the directors are pretty much solidly male. 
I work with some amazing male animation directors, like some, oh my god, they're incredible. Um, and I worked for Nexus Productions, who are an amazing, well, they still consider themselves boutique and they're not, they're huge. They were a wonderful kind of fertile ground to be female in. And Natalie, who's their studio manager, has a very tight rein on deciding who, you know, on, on balancing male and female in the studio. Chris and Charlotte, who run it, um, have always had an eye on that, so I'm very lucky. Um, but yeah, being female is a, is a barrier in some ways. I did a talk about women in art a year or so ago. We were talking about illustration studios and illustration agencies. And we are talking about how CIA have, I think it was CIA have made a point of being 50-50. And a lot, and Jelly have done a lot of stuff as well. But they're still widely owned by men. And they're still widely owned by white men, on the whole. And that, until those things change, you know, top-down change is where it needs to happen. You can fulfil your rotors with, you know, 100% women, but if the entire ownership structure is male, mm -hmm. then what real difference are you necessarily making? I mean, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be about men. Men doesn't equal bad. Just in this sense. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just status quo, isn't it? And it just shouldn't be the status quo. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm babbling. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to approach it from a slightly different angle. So some of the things that um, are barriers um, to success. So maybe the, the landscape has changed somewhat since I was first trying to become an artist. And, and although those things that can be negatives, they're also fabulously positive. Mm. It's, it's never been an easier or better time, I don't yeah. think, mm -hmm. to be able to find a platform for your work. You're no longer at the whim of the arbiters of taste of that particular yeah. time and the, and the ebbs and flows of trends mm -hmm. because there is so much more opportunity to find mm -hmm. platforms for your work. And I think that's, that really is fantastic. And opportunities to exhibit globally, which didn't exist for artists, they had to be provided for you, especially as a painter by mm -hmm. a gallery. Yeah. That there are so many more opportunities to interact with people about your work and start a dialogue about your work, and that that is really really useful because it drives your own practice forward. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the biggest barrier obviously is is finance. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think per perhaps when I reflect back on why my parents didn't want me really to go into a career in you know as an artist, that's because it's it is a difficult career to work in. And there is an element of being in the right place yeah. at the right time and things falling into place. Yeah. I think we've still well, got that like um oh no, I'm gonna say quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We've still got that like starving artist in a garret yeah. Yeah. mentality that if you're gonna be an artist, you're gonna be poor. Mm. And you know you're in the whim of a you know, a patron. Well there's no safety net. Oh yeah. You're yeah. relying on yourself. That yeah. is it. If you're if don't finish the piece or yeah. you, you don't get it out there, who do you blame? Yeah. It's it's down I think to as you. Well, sitting in a print gallery as well, you know, we've kind of moved on from that sense of galleries being originals. And can you hear at the back without the microphone? <laughs> 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 Um, but yeah, we're in a print gallery, um, the idea that there very much used to be, you're not a proper artist if you make prints, yep. um, yeah, yeah. you've got to make originals. I still really struggle with the not making originals thing, which is partly why I got into banner making. Um, because, yeah, there was that sense like, well, you're an applied artist, mm -hmm. 
So if you're a printmaker or an artisan or you're a bookbinder or you make pottery or you do any of those things that aren't the fine arts, uh, then you are not really an artist. And so, which was a huge part of me not calling myself an artist. Because it was like, no, I'm an illustrator. No, you're not. No, I'm not an illustrator. No, I work for people. I work in design. Yeah. So making your own work, that's the big step, isn't it? Mm -hmm. but, yeah. And valuing it as well. So, so moving from barriers, obviously, when you work for yourself in any, you know, in, in any career, you you've, you've got to be motivated, and that's a, a big part. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm guessing when you're an artist, it's not only that motivation to, you know, just get up and do what needs to be done, but the motivation to almost, like, be creative on demand. You know, I think in, in my business, whenever I have to do something that's creative, that's when I'm like, oh, no, I'm just not in the zone today. Like, I can't do it. So yeah. my question to you is, when creativity is your career, how do you stay creative? Um... So it, it, I have been thinking about this question. It's a it's a funny question for me. It, being creative is more of a compulsion than something I have to do. I'm always being creative. I might not always be able to be in my studio painting because I might have my kids with me, but I'm always finding ways to be creative. It might be playing in my garden. It might be making a ridiculously over the top birthday cake for one of the children. I, I, I like stitch, I like knitting, although I'm not very good <laughs> at it. I enjoy doing it. So I'm always being creative. In fact, and I've always been like that, making the whole time. I like to sit down and flake out, but I'm always being creative. But what does happen sometimes is I get blocked. So if I'm um, starting a new group of work or a new body of work and I know that's a really like intense phase when I'm starting to plan a new group of work I can get really scared about that yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that halts me in my tracks mm. so there's a few days around then where I phone a lot of my friends yeah. get my studio really really tidy <laughs> um, <laughs> do loads of other boring stuff that I shouldn't be yeah. doing and then finally I sit down and I start to get on with it and as soon as I start working again it just starts to flow yeah. it's the procrastination yeah. that precedes yeah. it yeah. Yeah. my house is my house is always so clean Yeah, when I'm about to start a project. Yeah. <laughs> I, read, I read a really interesting article the other week, which was, the title of it was something like, procrastination is about, uh, isn't about laziness, it's about emotion. Yeah. And it's all about how we procrastinate in order to get ourselves to an emotional mistake. Yeah, emotional state that, that, yeah, that then allows us to move forward. It was yeah. really interesting. I definitely agree with that. I think it's, yeah, I mean, I do, I, I'm not avoiding doing the thing, I'm trying to get to the thing the, yeah. by yeah. doing all the yeah. other things. Yeah. So they're all done so I can then do yeah. the thing. I think. I think that I had somebody asked me asked me this question not long ago and I've said that creativity is, is what you do and how you do it. Well it's mainly how you do it. So everybody's creative. I don't believe that anyone is not creative. You you can be a creative HR manager, mm -hmm. you can be a creative bin man, you can be a creative accountant. Not that kind of creative account. <laughs> you, can, you know, it's in every industry and it's so important because you need to be creative because you can't do anything if you're not. Like, I won't go off into education because I went, this did end up in a rant about education, but about how, you know, the, the creative um, subjects are so important for you to be able to do maths and English and science. You can't be a good scientist if you're not creative. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for me, it's, it's about 
keeping abreast of things, it's about being uh, around people all the time, it's about being busy, it's about always looking at what everybody else is doing but not fixating on it. Um, it's, it's just inherent in what I am, so it's quite hard to explain and that does sound a little bit pompous in a way I think, but it just is there and it's, and, and it's about confidence, the confidence to do it as well. I mean, for me, I start to recognise where I am. I work in a series of pieces, so I tend to do <coughs> six to ten pieces mm -hmm. of a series. And it's not getting the idea. I mean, I've got plenty of ideas. Mm -hmm. It's choosing the one yeah. and committing to that one that you think is going to be the good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's a bit of a circle that I do. I'm, I'm really high and enjoying it, and I feel really good about the piece and then I'm creating it, and then I have the fight with it. Yeah. And, I lose, and then I walk away, and so I just say, I clean my studio, yeah. I'll go and, and talk to my children uh, every so often, and, uh, <laughs> and then I'll come back to it, and hopefully win with yeah. that. And then I finish the piece, and then there it goes again. There's that moment of, I've let it go, and it's gone, and, and it's... it's I think it's really healthy. It is. It's, I, I've accepted that, and I know that's kind of like a moon phase for me, yeah. and and I don't hide from it anymore. It, it's just part of who I am yeah. creatively. It's kind of like at night, if you wake up as an insomniac, and you're sitting there alone with your thoughts, and if you kind of accept it, and know that you're going to sleep in a little bit later on, then it's not so fearful. Yeah. And it's becoming a bit of your partner. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. So... Thinking back to sort of maybe before you made the choice to get this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to pursue art as my career, what advice would you give to your younger self? So thinking about the ages of the, the girls that the Girls Network work with, so 13 to 16 year old you, <laughs> cast your mind back. Very <laughs> what, what, what advice would you give to your younger self if you were able to speak to them now? And uh, I've got the worst time with Rebecca on this one. <laughs> well, I would, it doesn't matter what I just said because I would have ignored it. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Probably. <laughs> um, I was, no, I was actually a, a complete nerd when I was 13, so I would have been like, um, I think that I would have said that, don't, I, just, I said stop worrying about it to begin with. You've got time. One thing you do actually have is time. We live in a very fast-paced world, but you have got time to develop these things. Um, and to make, make it, make that thing, make the thing you're thinking about. Just do it. Make it. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate over it so much that you don't make it. Don't kill an idea in 10 minutes. You know, think of it. Try and make it. Work out it won't work. Don't make it. Just make it. And then do the next thing. Um, I did actually write something down about this because I thought it was really interesting. Sister Karita Kent, who used to be, who was an incredible artist, she did this 10, 10 art school rules. If you've not seen it, look it up because they're incredible. One of those is about don't try to create and analyse at the same time because they're two different processes. Um, and that's actually, it sounds quite simple, but it's actually incredibly important. You just need to make your work. You don't have to analyse it. That's for other people to do and for you to do it at a later date. But until you've made it, you can't do anything else. And I think that was a huge problem for me, certainly when I was younger, was I just wouldn't make things. Mm -hmm. I'd think of them and I wouldn't actually do them. Mm -hmm. And but above all of that, it's about being confident. It's all about confidence. 
And if you don't have confidence, pretend to be confident. Fake it. And eventually you will be. And I think you just have to do that. Yeah. When, one of my things, I'm not a very confident person, but I pretend to be confident. Yeah. And so I think I'm doing quite well. Doing brilliantly. <laughs> You're like, we should shut up. But there is, it's, it's about, it's about, it is one of those fake it to be magic things, basically. Confidence will get you everywhere. And it will, it will get you through. And it will, if you believe that you can do it, you will be able to do it. Um, which I know is a bit of a fluffy duffy kind of thing, but confidence is so important. I think. Um, I think I would tell myself that your boobs will come. I've <laughs> <laughs> never had that problem. finally came, right? So don't worry, don't force it. Um, and just listen. I think the big thing was about listening. I, I, as you said, I knew everything, and if I didn't, I didn't want to know it. Uh, I just wanted to go my own way. And I would just say to listen, that's mm. really yeah. the best thing. Um, and I would probably say, you know, I like, I like that phrase, some will, some won't, some do, some don't. Mm. But it's taken me a while to get that one. Some people are going <coughs> to like your work, and some people aren't. Haters, haters going to hate, mm. aren't they? <laughs> so um, don't worry about it. Just do what you do. Take, you know, take it on board, and that becomes part of the dialogue. Art, art, that's the beauty of art, isn't it? We all like different things. And sometimes you don't like something to begin with and the more you find out about it, the more it draws you in, the more you mm. learn about it. Yeah. And your tastes change. Yeah. As you get older and what you once didn't like, you, you will maybe later. So don't try and people please, just be the person you are. It's yeah, really hard. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, Okay, so our final question. I'm gonna add a little bit onto this as well. Um, so, why? Firstly, why do you think it's important for young people, especially young women, to have mentors to look up to? And secondly, who who did you look up to in your teens? Who was your idol? Who was your who was your mentor? I had a couple of women in my life who were amazing and to be able to go to somebody who wasn't your mother who mm -hmm. treated you as an adult and listened to you that was it didn't laugh at you that was the thing is they they listened and and was and they were my friend friends uh, so that made me feel really good about myself it gave me a confidence that as much as my mother wanted to give me there she was supposed to give me because she was my mother but these women took the time to be there for me. So for me to mentor or want to reach out to young women, especially in the arts, is to help give them advice that they don't have to struggle with something. They, if they, um, it, it's learning from your mistakes and being able to pass that on mm -hmm. uh, and being able to be there for them. I think is the, is the best thing, is just listening, which I was saying earlier, is, is really important, yeah. and treating them as an equal, as an adult, uh, and not having it to be a family member, so they knew that they can trust you, so building up that friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, for me, um, the, impo the, the most important thing about mentoring is, if, is visibility. If you, if you can't see something, it's going to be a lot harder to be it. Mm -hmm. So you need to see people out there doing the thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think things are changing for the better in that sense. 
Uh, for me, as a, as a teenager and, and before going to art college, it was, it was the Sarah Lucases and the Fiona Banners and people yeah. like that who were like, or maybe like Gillian Waring and people like that. I was full YBA era. Yeah. And it was like, these are young women and they're doing it and they're actually making it. And it's like, maybe you could potentially do that as well in some way. Um, and I think that we need more than ever visible women in all walks of life, mm -hmm. from every arena, from every gender and race and colour and everything to be there for, for young women to see that these are, that there is, you can do it, they are there, and you will be able to get there yourself. I think, yeah, I mean, I've done, I haven't done mentoring before, so I have, I've been mentored, and from that I have um, appreciated uh, another person's advice, and learning from another person's mistakes, mm -hmm. even though the chances are I will make them myself anyway. Mm -hmm. And being a uh, freedom to make mistakes. I mean, mm -hmm. being successful in the creative industries, a huge amount of it is about failing, mm -hmm. and learning from that failing, and being okay to fail. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I feel like it's it's just an incredibly important thing. And if I hadn't been able to see those women, I don't know that I'd have felt that comfortable being able to be one. Yeah, yeah I mean, we it would have been amazing to have something like the opportunity. You know, the girls' mm -hmm. network is providing now. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I guess that process of mentoring is probably quite a reflective one, yeah. that both parties get something out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a friendship and it's, um, it, it's supporting and encouraging and helping somebody else to grow. I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing thing to be, to be part of on a one-to-one -one basis, especially I think girls often do struggle with self-confidence. You know, it, it does seem that more girls suffer with it than, yeah. than boys, probably. Who knows why? Um, so, and I think, yeah, I think fantastic. Really, really great. Yeah. Sorry, just to say, I mean, it's probably very cheesy, but it's giving back. Yes. And I yeah. was given this opportunity by two wonderful women, adult women, who took time out on weekends from working to take me out mm. and go shopping or, or go to a movie or whatever yeah. it was. And, and to be there, and yeah. knowing that I could call them, uh, and if I was going to be in trouble and know I couldn't reach out to my mother, that yeah. they would be there, that yeah. I had somebody who was always going to be there yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 Jan, have we got time to take some questions? Amazing. So that, that's the end of all the questions I have. Um, so does anyone, does anyone have any question they'd like to ask anyone? <laughs> any, just that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any or all of our questions? <laughs> Hello. 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 Hello guys aren't as inclined to do that as women are. So women are more inclined to make sure that all of those tiny things, so for example, like you're not necessarily 100% prepared mm -hmm. until you feel you're prepared and then you go for it. Yep. Whereas guys don't necessarily do that preparation process. I just wanted to know what your take was on that. I don't have a person to meet my friend Ollie. Is that because he is a lot of procrastinating? <laughs> um, yeah, 
Yeah. What, what do you think about that? As a... Well, my That's husband good. has a... So we share a studio together. Obviously, the lion's share is mine. So <laughs> I always have about six paintings on the go. And he's got a very small corner. <laughs> um, <laughs> his corner is absolutely disgusting. I mean, like, there, are, there is dust. There are thick sheets of dust over his crystals. He's got all this techie stuff everywhere. It's horrible. There's like, I, if there's a, you know, I'm getting better at it now, but if I know there's a load of washing mm. in the machine that's been there, it needs to go into the tumble dryer or the breakfast dishes are still mm. out on the table. Mm. I need to just clear that before I can get on. So it's a bit of a, I don't know, it's the domesticity side of things. Yeah. Whereas he doesn't have that at all. Like, just get stuck in. They're not that bothered about the sound of anywhere. There's just crap everywhere. Yeah. But it's like, it's not about all those little things. It's just going head first for it. Yeah. Is that, you know, is that one of the reasons that, you know, guys are maybe getting jobs quicker? Or cause just it's confidence. Yeah, it's a massive confidence thing. I mean, you can't ignore the last 2,000 years yeah. of the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Getting jobs a little bit easier than women, maybe. Exactly. But there's a, there's a, a definite thing to be said about emotional labour, which women do that traditionally men, men have tended not to. Not all men, I've never done it, not all men. Yeah. But that sense of like, I used to go out with somebody who we'd, I'd make dinner and then he'd wash his plate up. Way too long, way too long. But it was that sense of like, do you maybe want to look at the rest of the stuff yeah. that's going on? Do you think or they're you... maybe more inclined to think, I think about just naturally... other... I, I think it's interesting. Well, it's it's, 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 it's interesting, like, yeah. the, the point that you made about how it's about getting all of the things ready maybe, before you can do the thing. Because yeah. that ties mm. into that kind of much bandied around statistic around mm. how women will apply for a job if they yeah, meet 100% yeah, yeah. of right. the criteria, so whereas men yeah. whereas men will apply they, when they've yeah. got about 50 or 60% yeah. of the criteria because yeah. they just get stuff, figure the rest yeah. out. Yeah. But that's oh, a, a great way, way to do it. Right? Instead of learning well. beforehand, I mean, I they're doing it, it's I'll pick it up as I go. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. that I, mentality. Well, I, my husband and I both work from home and I have a studio. But as he says, I spread like a disease because now <laughs> I have five studios I've taken over yeah. every room because in winter I can't be out in the garage because yeah, it's too, too cold. Yeah. I can't put it over there. And I because I do collage work, I do a lot of cutting. Yeah. And I don't Stuff. really clean it up. I let it build yeah. and I yeah. like it. And I like when I get up I it moves like a wave as I'm walking. That's amazing. And and you can't throw it away because it'll be that tiny little piece yeah, that I'm you need, and yeah. I will find it. Yeah. And it will be there. Whereas my husband is incredibly neat and he doesn't need to tidy before what he's doing. So it's mm. there's something about also from working from home, you do have to do the laundry, you yeah. do have mm -hmm. to clean the dishes, and you have to balance all of it. So it's a bit of procrastination, yeah. but it's also a bit of balancing everything yeah at the same time once i i would i would argue that once i do get going like once i've done the school run got the washing sorted cleaned the breakfast dishes away once i get in the studio 
it's mm. my nine till five. I'm yeah. in there, I'm working, I'm reflecting, I'm sorting the work out. Mm. And then I have to like put my other head on mm. and spin that play. Mm. Yeah. So, but that, those are the choices I've made. Mm. His is more straightforward because it's in the office. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I've got a few questions actually. Can I think about the money? So when you're um, starting out, how on earth do you figure out what you're going to charge for your work? How do you progress that and have the confidence to sort of actually monetise what you're doing? And do you think there's a gender pay gap? There is. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, you know, it depends what industry you're talking about. To be uh, well, I admit you're not. I feel like there's a gender pay gap. I don't know. I've got to be honest. Those issues. Uh, it's based on so many things about how long you've been doing it, what kind of work you make, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't be so flippant to suggest it's an easy thing to work out. I had this conversation with a load of academics not long ago about how you need to teach your students how to charge for their work because it's vital. I mean, if you are an illustrator, join the AOI because they do a lot of pay work or join the Artists' Union as well because they can advise you on that free legal advice. I charge until the other person blinks most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> if people refuse to tell me what their budget is, then I go in high under the assumption that they've got it. And then they go, oh, and like, oh okay, well, we can do it this. So it, don't ever be afraid of, of charging a lot of money for things. Uh, I, my day rate differs between 350 to 500, 600 quid a day, but very rarely do day, day, day rate work. I think money transparency should be a huge thing. Uh, but then again, I'll do stuff for 100 quid. I'll do stuff for 50 quid, I'll do stuff for free if I want to. Never work for free because someone ha somebody is pa if someone's paying someone else in the job. So if they're like, oh, we really want a logo, but we haven't really got any money. So, well, you're paying me rent on your studio, and you're paying to do all these other things. Don't do that. If it's a cause you believe in, fine. If it's a charity you believe in, or some other charities have got lots of money. I mean, it's, there is a couple of rules about it, but yeah, basically, you've just got to charge, barge in there and just be a bit more bullish about it, I think. There's a lot of money in the industry. There's a hell of a lot of money. Look how much money in this room. People have got it as well. It's a lie if you think people haven't got any money, and they'll pay well for stuff if they want to. Yeah, the pay gap's an interesting thing. I think men probably, on average, do get paid more for things. And it's about perception of, of experience, and your, your name carries so much weight. You know, I can charge for things that I certainly couldn't have charged that much for a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I don't know, I'm not quite too sure about that. Well, it's... I remember doing fairs, uh, and I was painting chickens and putting chickens on cushions, and I ended up doing a amazing. Christmas <laughs> fair. And, but I would go beforehand, and I would scope out what um, I wanted to go, mm. what fair I wanted to be involved in. And, just ask questions and, yeah. and look at what kind of work you want to do. So if it's illustration or if it's print or, you know, kind of get an idea of what everybody else is charging and put it within that margin. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't buy it, then they either don't like it or you're charging too much. Mm. But talk to, it, it's about talking to people. Mm. And you can charge too less as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can go in too yeah. low and people will think you're cheap so yeah. you won't buy it. But you've got to take into framing the paper, uh, besides the labor, I mean, half yeah. the time I don't even charge the thought of labor. I'm, I'm, I'm at £3.50 an hour for my labor yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I really love it. Oh, take it. Because yeah. it makes me feel better yeah. that you like it. <laughs> oh my God, you like me. You like me. Oh, God, he loves it. So it's making it work for you is 
overhead if you're working from home it it's it's research yeah and and putting it out there but it's being consistent that's also the thing is if you're going to do a fair um, and you're going to put it online you can't have different prices no. all over it's mm. you've got to watch it because it confuses people mm. and they don't like well I saw that there uh, for 200 pounds less and you could say well I was doing a special offer because it was a fair and that's it and now it's online but you can't fluctuate all over you've mm. got to be consistent so that your client knows mm. what you're yeah. you're doing yeah Oh, it's such a hard one, isn't it? I um, it's about how you value. I guess it's how you value yourself and your work, and that that reflects about your your confidence as well. Mm. Um, to to sort of monetize it. I mean, um, I did a show last year, and I know that all of my paintings sold at the level they were at. So. The new group of paintings that are coming to market should be more expensive, and it finding this, it's it's risk, hard. It? It's a risk. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's our you know it's our jobs mm -hmm. as yeah. well. Exactly as the others have said about having that consistency across the platforms and checking that you are you know, in line with other people that are yeah. doing similar work to you. Yeah, because um, I, I do like, like, a lot of my prints are like 35 quid, 5 quid. So I know that that's kind of what a lot of people are doing. I'm not going to barge in saying 60 or 70 quid for them, because they're gitaes and they are of a certain nature on a certain paper. So I know that I've got to stick within that kind of limit mm. on that kind of thing, but then I can go a bit higher on the bigger pieces. And, you know, you screen print, you obviously charge more because you're making originals, you make editions, there's ways around it. I would say, and I genuinely mean this, Anybody more than welcome to email me if they're an illustrator and ask. I will always give that information out mm -hmm. at any point. I have no problem in ever passing on anything to anybody. It's no hassle for me to answer an email. Mm -hmm. If someone is like, I don't know how much to charge for this, I will willingly look at yeah. it. Yeah. It'll take me like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of my day. So. And if you can't explain it to yourself, then you're certainly not going to be able to explain it to your client because if you, you know, depending on the paper and the, mm. the, the layers of silk yeah. screen that you're using, and is it a G clay or is it some, you know, you've got to understand it yourself what yeah. you are trying to put out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it takes me a certain amount of time to produce my paintings. It might take me three months to get however many that I'm getting together, and I know that. If they're all selling at the price they're at, then that 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 is okay. There's room for them to move around. Mm -hmm. Certainly, don't. It's really really difficult because in the art industry, people often make offers and want discounts. It's very difficult to say no to that. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think you just have to be quite businesslike about where your margins are. And yeah. You really look at how much of your studio costs, your framing, how much how much time have you spent. You know, working on that and sort of calculate it from yeah. there. It's, I had a, a commission recently, and I was like, "It's going to cost as much as all that. That's a lot." And I was like, "Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes a long time." Yeah. 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 And that's a really good response for every industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the few industries where people can go, "There's a price on there," and they go, "Well." Can you take half of that off? I mean, how many businesses do yeah, you walk really into and go, house, but I don't yeah. really want to pay 50 yeah. for it. I only yeah. want to pay 15. So, well, tell everyone I bought it off you. Mm. Yeah. You don't do it in a lot of shoes, but it's that good thing. You walk into a market and go, oh, that milk looks, you know, looks a day out. Yeah, yeah. you can have that for half price. I'm, I'm, I'm always open to haggle. Always yeah. open. Yeah. 
I saw someone post something online the other day around like hiring them for like an illustration or graphic design work and they sort of said, oh, you know, would you, you know, do it for the exposure? And it's like, would you say that to your accountant? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. never do anything no. for the exposure. Exactly the it's same. It's not a thing. No. It's not real. No. Unless it's a charity, like you said, I'm more than happy to, to support charities yeah. and, and yeah, absolutely. donate prints and things yeah. like that. I think that's really great. important. To do things for friends and yeah. stuff like that. But, that, but that's... platform online um, and my paintings are very large as well um, my it's, it's just a different market and also I like to talk to clients about my work and explain it I like to be in front of the audience I've been had some difficult experiences with art with galleries um, so yeah there are there are lots of opportunities, and it and it is it is a global marketplace. Um, now I think we're really really lucky in that sense. Yeah. Work work can go all over the place, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, I tend I don't sell through an awful lot of people. I sell through here. So for a few other places in London, and a couple of places, I don't sell in any galleries outside of the UK. I mainly sell through my online shop. I get the I get the most responsive things from Instagram. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of money off Instagram. Yeah, I'll post something and then I will in instantly notice that it, people will buy stuff, mm -hmm. which is quite interesting. Or, or sometimes not. You know, it's never the things that I think are going to sell most of the time. Be really proud of something and then be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no one else likes that. Excuse me. I mean, I think I, I make I make most of my money from from corporate stuff, to be honest, at the moment, and public commissions and things like that. But um, I don't use an all, I don't use a huge amount of different platforms, purely because I haven't got round to it. It's not a conscious choice to not do it, I've just not got round to doing it. And it is one of those, like, I should probably do something about that. But it works quite well as it is. I'm not that bothered about making shitloads of money. I'm just interested in being able to live happily. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really, into making loads, as long as I make enough for me to have a laugh. <laughs> kind of it! <laughs> I don't want to buy a house, I don't want to buy a car, I'm not having children, what do I need to do? <laughs> can't take it with me. Okay, well I do want to make a lot of money. <laughs> and there's no problem with that one. Yeah, exactly. And I admit it. Yeah. Um, I'm very proud of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My pieces are, uh, what's weird for me is when I sell on my website and somebody puts an order in and you get the, who you've just sold, and I email them immediately going, thank you for the sale, 
and they don't respond, I think, you don't want to talk to me? It's, yeah, it's, that's cool. we, it's yeah. a really weird thing to be able to get an order and send it to Florida, and they have no interest in having any conversation with you. They just want the art piece. So I can't quite ever get my head around that. Um, I have these mushrooms that I'm working on right now, and I've put them on a mushroom fan site on Facebook. So it's like 4,000 member group. So it's putting it towards your market. So yeah, it's you that thing, you know your audience and find that platform. Uh, the internet's fantastic. There's a site called First Dibs, which is, is very interesting um, to be on. And I've got some very big pieces that I have but I get nervous because I had to send one recently to New York, and it's it's a mixed media, multi-layered piece, and I kept waiting for the phone call saying a piece is broken mm -hmm. off, mm -hmm. uh, and I can't expect the client to go and glue it back on. Yeah. So I do get worried about sending pieces around the world originally. Yeah, kind of yeah. Uh, So. I tend, if I do do it, I'll send it to the states to a family member, make sure they check it, and then That's a good idea. and then they can deliver it. So, but it's get on, it, you know, get on as many platforms as you can. Yeah, but yeah. your market. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes like artists aren't great at packaging and sending work. Like neither are sometimes our galleries. Yeah. Whenever I send um, an original out, I spend a lot of money in my shipping. Yeah. Yeah. To have it in a wooden crate, you know, it's. I, th that person's made a massive investment. I want it to arrive safely yeah, with them. Yeah, totally. And I think that doing things like that, that's supporting you know you as an artist, you are your, your brand and your business, and you're developing that, you have to offer that exceptional sort of customer Absolutely, service. Yeah. That we haven't talked much about that this evening, but that's a big a big part of yeah, yeah. doing totally. it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, my pieces on the back now, the multimedia pieces, I have removable backs, the frame, the framers, so that each piece can be taken apart and, and just to make sure. Mm -hmm. So it's that, it makes the frames expensive, but it's that extra bit yeah. that I know I need because I want the piece to look its best, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.